you are listening to Discovery Church Podcast. For those of you that have not been here the past few Sundays or this is your first Sunday with us, an extra special welcome to you. Um, But to bring you up to speed of where we are in our series, we're in a series called It Is Finished. These are the last words Jesus spoke uh, as he was dying on the cross. So it's an overarching vision for the series that we're going to come to on and ultimately end on Easter. Um, our overarching view, uh, excuse me, our overarching verse comes from Matthew chapter 11, verse 30, and it says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what that basically means is if you live a life with me, Jesus, your life's going to be a lot better because I'm going to be able to help you along the way. Um, so through our series, we've been able to uh, apply a couple verses, um, a couple meanings from the verses that we've been pulling, and how to better our relationship with Jesus. Um, so today, I'm going to invite you into three ways to draw closer to Jesus through some decisions. Sound good? Right on. So join me as I pray, and we'll continue. Uh, Jesus, thank you for today. Um, thank you for the worship, Father, that you were able to bring us into this place. God, I pray that my word lands on good soil, God, um, and God, that Jesus give me the words to speak. God, no one has time to waste on a Sunday, so would we utilize uh, these next 30 minutes together, Father, in your name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. For those of you that don't know, I've been married, actually, this month will be five years of marriage. Five years. Those applause go to my wife, not me. She's had to put up with me for five years and then some time for dating. Yes. Um, And so... For me, when it came to my wedding day, and I believe this is true for a lot of people, you want to look good, right? Uh, So for me, I chose to somehow look good on my wedding day, if you know what I'm saying. Um, So for me, I wanted to be in the absolute best shape possible for my wedding day. I knew it was going to be a tough decision because here's the lifestyle that I lived. I like to eat a lot. I like to stay up late, play video games, watch TV. Not the healthiest lifestyle to bring a healthy living into. Um, So I was like, all right, Nick, you're going to tap your inner Thor and Captain America physique. And you're not going to tap your outer physique of inviting food into it. So bad food, that is. Um, So I knew how to make a decision to choose into this plan that I was wanting to do. So for me, I didn't have a gym membership, I didn't have a lot of money, but what I did have was Amazon. So I hit up Amazon and I typed in workout video, and the first thing that popped up was an Insanity video with Sean T. Anyone ever do that? Anyone heard of Sean T? It's a killer workout. Um, So I ordered it, I was like, that's the first step. I decided to order it. So it came to my house, and I looked at it for a couple weeks, just admired it, and I was like, man, I'm really choosing this. Um, So I popped in on the first day, and I remember on the first day, at the time I was living at a house with a garage, and the the kitchen was down a ways through the door to the garage, and I popped in the first day, it was like 40 minutes, and the first 10 minutes went by, he's like, all right, our warm-up's done. I was like, (gasps) our warm-up's done? That was just a warm-up? I was like 10, 15 minutes in, and I was, I was feeling, I wasn't sweaty, but I was feeling it. So I was smelling the food being made, like the bacon, the eggs, the breakfast food coming down. So what I did was I lied. Um, I poured water on myself 
to make it seem like I was sweating. So when I came out of the garage, when I came out of the garage, the people that were cooking the food were like, man, you worked out hard. I was like, yeah, let me eat that bacon. Um, so I, <laughs> I lied. <laughs> um, but for me, there was this tension, right? There was this tension of I want to get in shape, but I really, really, really enjoy food. So I had to commit to a new lifestyle. I knew I had to go to sleep earlier, wake up earlier, maybe not go to Taco Bell at midnight or 2 a.m., stop playing video games, being diligent, sticking to my plan. Um, and that decision really made me focus. So for six months, okay, let's be five months because the first four weeks were kind of the same pouring water on my head walking into the kitchen. But long story short, after that focused decision I made, I came to meet my goal. And on my wedding day, I felt like I accomplished a deed for my wife. Um, I even remember going back to our tuxedo, my tuxedo rental place and getting resized because they said, like, you should get resized like a couple weeks before your wedding in case you lose weight or whatever. And when I originally when I was like, no, I'm not going to lose weight. Um, Obviously not, because when I went there to get resized, the guy's like, why are you here? I was like, I'm getting resized for my tux. He's like, okay. And he pulls out my file. He pulls out his measuring tape, and it's, yeah, you do need to get remeasured. So I was like, nice, yes, I did it. I made the decision to let the bad things out of my life no longer have a hold on me. And I believe saying yes to that decision is the same invitation Jesus has for us. Um, to continue on from Pastor John's message last week, he talked about how we how we respond to Jesus' love. And so today, I want to take that one step further. And how do we respond with the decisions we make to not let the lies run our life? With that, I want to give us three decisions, way, three decisions of how we can dive deeper into the decisions we make with Jesus when we're feeling pressured and when we're in these times of crucial, decision, crucial decisions. So to get us up to speed of where we are in our text, we're in the book of John, chapter 19. And we're basically in the final days of Jesus' life. Uh, to this point, Pastor John has brought us to Jesus getting arrested, um, Jesus being presented to Pilate, who is the judge, and we'll dive into him in a little bit. Um, and this is kind of last moments he's interacting with his disciples. Um, so we'll pick it up in John chapter 9, verses 1 through 4. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe. Verse 3, and went, and went on to him, went up to him again and, and again, saying, Hail, King of Jews. And they slapped him in the face. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I have find no bias for a charge against him. Thanks, Pastor. That's a great verse for me to pick up there. I got to dive all this out. Um, so before we dive into the text, I want to identify three people Jesus is interacting with here. First is Pilate, and we'll get to him very deeply in a little bit. Um, the second is the soldiers, and the third one is the Jewish people. So to give some idea of what the interactions looking like between these three people and Jesus, with Pilate, He's the governor. He's the judge of the area. So he's been arrested. Jesus has been arrested and presented to Pilate. So Pilate's job is to decide what to do with Jesus in this moment. Um, 
They are, people are calling for his crucifixion, but, G, but Pilate is saying, no, we're going to flog him. So to give some idea what that is, is imagine a whip with some claws on it, similar to Wolverine or Freddy Krueger or Edward Scissor's hand, and he's getting whipped in the back with it, and it digs into his back and rips. They're not gently like, oh, let me pull this off. They're ripping it off his back. So it's said that, well, I got to start off with this. This is just great. <laughs> it says that if he gets whipped 40 times, he will die. Anyone who gets flogged 40 times will die. So Pilate does him a favor and only does it 39 times. The second people we're looking at is the soldiers. They're in a place of feeling power. They're feeling some sort of identity in their power. They believe they have power over Jesus because they arrested him and brought him to Pilate. They're like, I'm better than you because I have this power to lock you up. So that's what their mindset is. And then they go on to also put on a purple-colored robe on him, which in the time, purple meant royalty. So they're mocking him in that, in that instance. And then they braid a crown of thorns, similar to a crown that you would get at Burger King, but instead, it has thorns in him and they're jabbing into his head. Major difference. They are mocking him. And then finally, there's the Jewish people. The Jewish people want to punish Jesus. Why, you ask? Because the reason why they believe Jesus should be crucified is because he committed a law. He, he broke the law. The law that he, he broke was committing blasphemy. And so those of you that aren't familiar with the word blasphemy, what it means is claiming that you're the son of, that claiming that you're God. And we all know in this room in some capacity that we understand that Jesus is the son of God. But in this context, the Jewish people don't believe that. They believe that the Messiah, the coming son of God, is going to be something different. So like, how dare you, Jesus, claim that you're the son of God? So they're, this, they're feeling this power that they're held to the Roman law, the laws that are around them. And they continue to mock him and spit at him and call him and say, hail the king of Jews. So there's three common, three common denominators between these three people that we just identified. They're all believing a lie. Here's why. The truth is, all these people in some capacity have heard about Jesus. They have seen Jesus do these miraculous healings, do these amazing things and teachings. Why wouldn't they believe that that's the Son of God? Something that magical, magical happening. Why wouldn't they believe that that's the Son of God? Like if someone cut off my ear, like Pastor John referenced to you a couple weeks ago, and put it back on, that's a pretty godly task. But for whatever reason, they don't believe it. So whether it was the choice not to believe it because they felt entitled by their titles, or that they were believing this idea of law that wasn't necessarily true anymore, these are the things that they, this is the lie they were believing. And this leads us to our first decision. Decision one, choose to not let the lies run your life. In our life, there's lies that are all around us, right? That 
society wants us to believe. Uh, for some of us, it may be how many followers we can get on Instagram or any social media outlet. For some of us, it may be how many likes I can get on this one video or photo, right? We're identifying with that, that, this, that, that stuff gives us a, a, a title. It gives us entitlement. Or maybe it's like, how much money can I put in my bank account to make me look good so I can buy anything I want, right? So there's these lies that society wants us to believe that makes us something good. But I believe Jesus calls us to be something better than that. That the lies like that shouldn't identify who we are. In truth, Jesus calls us to do something better. And it comes from the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, verses 23. But of the fruit of the Spirit, there it is, is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I believe Jesus wants us to stop believing the lies of what society is telling us to do, but believe in this spirit. Be, th be this. Jesus wants you to be this and not that. What really matters to God is that you allow him to change your life so you can no longer be making decisions based upon lies that you've been fed in the past. We'll continue on with Pilate now in uh, verse 5. If you can get that, please. Thank you. You ask and you shall receive. Boom. When Jesus came out wearing the crown, of, the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, this is them being the people that are there, the Jewish people, the soldiers, here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they said, crucify, crucify. But Pilate answered, you take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no bias for a charge against him. The Jewish leaders insisted, we have a law, and according to that law, he must die, because he claims he's a son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid, and he went back inside the palace and asked Jesus, where do you come from? And Jesus gave no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? So here's where we dive deeper into Pilate. I said we get to him in a little bit, so here we are. So Pilate, to give you some idea of who he is, he's the judge. He's the judge of the area where Jesus was arrested. So he'd be the modern-day district attorney to the area of Runner Park, Sonoma County. That's how it would work. So Pilate sees nothing wrong with what Jesus happened, what happened with Jesus. Pilate's had to try to have a dialogue with Jesus, and he hasn't, he hasn't committed a crime that deserves crucifying. So what Pilate does is try to appease the people that are calling for this by flogging him, by torturing him, basically bringing him to the point of almost death. So Pilate, in this moment, he's, he's in this tension. He's in this tension of, do I go with what's right in my heart, or do I go with what the pressure around me is telling me to do? Because in his heart, he believes Jesus really doesn't deserve any of this. But what society is telling him to do is, no, do it. Because he's a liar. <clears throat> this leads us to our second decision. 
The second decision is choose to not let the pressure dictate the outcome. So Pilate, in his, in, his, in his knowledge, he knows the Roman law. He knows the truth. He knows what's actually supposed to happen, right? But he gets caught up in the pressure around him. Imagine you as a person. I don't want this to happen, but all of you are saying, no, it has to happen. That's what he's faced against. He's faced against this reality that, you know what? I don't want to be, a, I don't want to be on this lonely island by myself. And we'll learn in a little bit why that's the case. So what's that mean for us in our lives? I think each of us serve it and identify an important role. Some of us are fathers. Some of us are mothers, brothers, sisters, students, boyfriend, girlfriend, what have you, right? We all identify with something in some way. So whatever that is, think about how this interaction is going to work for you in a second. Imagine when you're checking, checking out of the, in the grocery line and you see the magazines, right? What do the magazines tell you up there about that, about being a, being a husband, being a father, being a brother, being a sister, being a good friend? Nothing really. What it tells you is, for me as a male specifically, that I need to be in a lot of relationships, that I got to look good all the time, that I have to have a lot of money like we talked about, right? But where in there does it say not to commit to that pressure, not submit to that pressure. What did it say in there? Be a good father. Be a good husband. Be a good person. Where in there does it say that? And so that's the reality Pilate's in, right? And that's the reality we see ourselves in today, that society around us is wanting us to do something, but in reality, our heart makes us want to do something else. We can't let the pressure, the pressure of what's happening around us dictate our choice of how we feel on the inside. Romans 12, verse 2 says this. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's very clear that Jesus, does, Jesus God, knows that the world's going to try to make us be something we're not, Right? that we're going to try to identify with that, and that's going to give us identity. It's going to give us purpose. But instead, what God wants us to do is, no, that's garbage. You need to transform your mind and then ultimately transform your heart. And I think this tension that we live in in the world today through our sinful desires that we, that we have on our heart, because let's be honest, we're sinful people, right? That's why Jesus died on the cross. We're sinful people, right? We have that desire somewhere in us, and it's around us. And we can say yes to that. We can say yes to that tension. Um, and we've heard what Jesus said is right. But the question is, will we let the pressure around us and the sin in our heart, will we let the, let the lies that we listen to come true? Or will we let the truth that Jesus has taught us come out the other side? And I think that's where we pick up Pilate in this final verse. I think that tension is right where we are with Pilate. One more sentence. Picking it up in verse 10. <clears throat> Do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. 
Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. Verse 12. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free. But the Jewish, Jewish leaders kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. So in the Nick Living Translation verbiage of this verse, what Pilate is saying is, do you know who I am? I'm kind of a big deal. I have the power to let you go. I really do. Like, I'm in that place of authority. Right? He's like, I can do, I can set you free. I can continue to beat you, bring you to close to death, or I can set you free. I can crucify you, or I can set you free. I can continue to have you arrested, or I can set you free. That's the dialogue Pilate is having with Jesus. And Pilate knows he's in that place of authority. And we'll get to a verse in a second that stuck out there, what Jesus responded. But to give a little more context of where Pilate is in this situation, they talk about anyone who opposes Caesar is no friend of Caesar. Um, Caesar's like the boss of this area. Of like, He would be the governor of California. That's who Caesar is. So word, Pilate doesn't want word to get out to Caesar that he's messing up because Pilate really identifies with his position of authority. He really identifies with that, right? So still knowing that, Pilate is trying everything he can to not to crucify Jesus, not to call for that. Pilate even goes as far, and we learn this in the book of Luke, another gospel about Jesus' life, that Pilate goes as far as trying to pawn this situation off to King Herod. Because Jesus came from the Naz Nazareth where King Herod had jurisdiction over. He's like, you know what? You know what? This isn't really my responsibility that, that this opportunity, the situation should go to King Herod. I really don't want to make the call. Like he really is trying to figure out everything possible not to get in the situation because he knows it's wrong. So Pilate's in a very, very unique place of opportunity. As it turns out, in verses 16, we learn that Pilate ultimately gives Jesus over for crucifixion. We learn that because we know Jesus died on the cross. But I think, and this is true for us, when we make a decision that we know is wrong, and I think this is true for Pilate, Pilate has this heavy heart. He has this, he's in this place of guilt. He's in this place of conviction because he knew he had the opportunity to do something right. He knew it, but he chose against it. And I think this is true for us, and this comes to our third decision. Choose to say yes to the opportunity Jesus has for us. 11, Jesus, like I said, we'll get back to it. You who would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. So what Jesus is saying, you're not where you are because of what you did, but because God gave you the authority to be there. And God, can, God put you there, so do the right thing. God put you in that situation. Do the right thing. But Pilate didn't. So now Jesus has to endure the cross because he handed Jesus over to the Jewish people for crucifixion. In our lives, God can be calling us to do things, right? He can be calling us to do things. And a missed opportunity for us in those invitations may be a missed opportunity for somebody else. Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts him. Now, I have a favorite dessert. It is called a pizookie. And every time I go to BJ's or if I make it at home, 
what it is, it's a uh, big, giant chocolate cookie with ice cream on top. And it smells amazing. And my wife hates this about me. When we go out to restaurants and I order food, I expect to, like, to come out in the order that, you know, you ordered it. So, like, if they got sat, sat after me, their food should come after me, not at, before me. So the, every time a plate comes by, why? And then it comes a dessert, I'm like, So a missed opportunity for you to share the invitation Jesus has for other people is a missed opportunity for them. Because you know how good and tasteful it is, but someone may, next to you may not. So opportunities for you. Serving on Sunday. Mm, you know what? I like sleeping in. Eh, that missions trip I am always invited to during spring break. Ah, Hawaii sounds a lot better. There's something simpler pulling out a Target, and there's a homeless person in the corner. I don't have time for you. got to go make my, my five, five plate to dinner. These little invitations that we miss is a missed opportunity for someone to come into a relationship with Jesus. And although Pilate missed that opportunity to, to save Jesus from the cross, the good news is that Jesus died for that forgiveness. Jesus forgives us. Let's not be Pilate in our lives. Let's not make the wrong decision. Jesus has an invitation. He forgives us for missing those opportunities. But now let's decide to commit to those opportunities that Jesus allows for us to dive into in our lives. So you're probably like, thanks, Nick. That's really good. Messages, the decision is yours. Myself or Pastor John or a small group leader, anyone in your life can say these nice things to you and give you these invitations, but really the decision is yours. You can choose to let the lies run your life, you can choose to let society and the pressure influence you, you can choose to not say yes to opportunities. But I believe Jesus calls something, calls you to something bigger. I believe He calls you to not. Let those lies run your life. He calls you to not let the pressures dictate the outcome. And he calls you to say yes to the opportunities Jesus has in your life. Thank you for listening to Discovery Church Podcast. Remember, we will have a new message for you every Monday at 5 p.m. Make sure to like and subscribe, and you will be notified when a new episode is ready for listening.